Welcome to the Recession Resistant Real Estate Radio, where we talk about real estate, passive investing, business strategies, and so much more. I'm your host, Brandon Cobb, CEO of HPG Capital. Now let's dive into today's episode. Hey everybody, Brandon Cobb with HPG Capital. Welcome. Today's email is going over how apartment syndications are structured and understanding the cash flow and how it's going to work for you, whether you're a GP partner or your preferred investor in the deal. It's very important to understand how the cash flow happens so that you can get paid and what could potentially impact that cash flow and your distributions on a quarterly or monthly basis, depending on how it's set up in your deal. So, Brief history on apartment syndications. So in the past, these larger commercial and multifamily deals were something that Wall Street firms kind of had access to and only they had access to. Because when you're buying a $50 million apartment complex and you need a $10 million down payment in order to buy that deal and get the loan, it had to come from one place. And as you know, Wall Street has the deepest pockets in the world. And so a lot of these operators would go to Wall Street and were sort of kind of at the mercy of the Wall Street guys because they were the only ones that had these deep pockets that could fund these deals. So that all changed with the Jobs Act of 2012. The Jobs Act of 2012 basically permitted companies to start using syndications to crowdfund a lot of their deals. And this was a beautiful thing because it opened up more opportunities for the smaller fish to get into the market. So instead of going to one big firm and being able to say, hey, I need $10 million and sort of kind of being at the mercy of them, they were able to say, hey, let's raise money from investors uh, through either like a 506B or 506C, and we can raise $10 million from 100 different people And they can participate and get all the same benefits in these larger commercial and multifamily deals that were originally reserved for Wall Street. So that's sort of a little history on how this whole thing came about. Now, if you're new to the real estate syndication game, if you are, if you've never invested or or you're looking to get in apartments, I always recommend starting out as a preferred investor in a preferred position. This is basically investing in somebody else's deal. It's the best way to learn how to get into the apartment game, how the deals are structured, what it means to work with a great operator, what it means to work with a great sponsor. You get a back seat ride into how all these things are structured, how they work. And ultimately at the end of the day, when you're jumping in some, some of these bigger deals, it's very important to at least have kind of read in the coattails of other people in some of these other deals so that you know what to expect. So what can you expect in some of these larger commercial deals? You know, we we closed a pretty large 384-unit deal uh, about six weeks ago. Um, Our fund actively participated in the raise to help raise the capital to close the deal. Um, So I want to talk about how we structured that deal and how the cash flow is going to work. So... I've already given you a little perspective on how these things are structured. Normally what happens is a fund is created. So you have a sponsor and you have a operator. The operator is usually the person that has a business that is built around finding these investments, right? They've got a sales team. They've got a due diligence team. They travel across the country. They probably look at 30 to 40 deals a month 
And it usually takes on average probably around 20 hours per deal just to look at it for the analyst department. And what happens is, is because they center all their time and energy around like finding these deals, they have a need for sponsors who have businesses that are built around raising capital. This is what HBG Capital does. We raise capital and position it in recession resistant assets that are backed by real securities. So sponsor has a, has the cash. Operator has the management capabilities, finding the deal, underwriting the deal. So how does it work? Operator comes and says, hey, Mr. Sponsor, I've got this $50 million apartment complex. I'm closing on it in, in three months. Um, do you feel comfortable? Can I rely on you to raise the capital for this deal? And so the sponsor will say yes, and the sponsor will first, you know, make sure that the deal works uh, for their investors. They've got to have knowledge to be able to underwrite and look at these things and make sure that it's going to be a good fit for their investors. And then after that, as they move forward, there's a partnership where the sponsor will create a fund. And that fund is what is going to have part ownership of the operator's deal. So the operator will be an owner and the fund will also be an owner of the deal, the sponsor's fund. So what usually happens is, and you know, every deal is structured like this. You can get as creative as you want, but this is how we're primarily structured. Most of our deals is when we go out and we raise uh, capital for these larger acquisitions, our investors are actually purchasing units of that fund in a preferred position. And I'll explain what preferred position means here in, in the next few minutes. So they're actually going to have ownership of that fund, and that fund is then going to own part of the asset. So they're actually owners in that deal, which enables them to do some pretty cool things like depreciate and write off a lot of their income for taxes. Um, did another video on that. But huge, huge benefit being able to write off that passive um those those uh those taxes that you would pay taking reducing your income and saving in taxes there I've said it um so how like why is there a need to do this so again it's all about leverage if you can take and raise the money from a pool of investors and use that money as a down payment, you can raise $10 million and you can go acquire a $50 million asset. And as a result of that leverage, everybody is able to make more money because their money is being levered. So what does it mean to be in a preferred position? So this is, this is very important. And I'm going to walk you through the Wow, like a, like a waterfall would work on one of our past deals. And then I'm going to walk you through how the cash flow works on these assets and all the things to consider because your distributions as a preferred investor are going to be based on how these waterfalls work, how it's structured and how the, uh, how the asset is going to operate and all the different variables that are going to go into influencing how that asset operates. So. At the top, you basically have gross gross rents, right? These are rents coming in, the rents come in, and then you have the bank mortgage that is paid, right? You gotta pay the bank that has the big, big, fat first position loan on these assets. And then next, you have to pay all the operational expenses that are associated with running that asset, you know, paying salaries and operational costs and vacancies. And then after everything is paid, whatever's left over is the net operating income. That is then given to the preferred investors. So whatever their cut is going to be there, if it's paid out on a monthly basis or if it's paid out on a quarterly basis, preferred investors are going to get paid. And then if there's anything left over, depending on how the deal structure, usually the GPs are the ones that are going to get uh, that money that is left 
right? This would be the cash flow part of the asset. The other is the appreciation asset. And we'll kind of get to that in a second. So when you're hunting these deals for the cash flow, if you're wanting, you know, quarterly distributions or monthly distributions because you're living off that income or you, you need that monthly income, these make great investments. And this is why a lot of people have switched over from investing in things like stocks and long-term annuities because it's great to be able to get that cash every month or that cash every quarter and hold it and feel it and touch it and use it. People like that or it's not just stuck in some race for many, many years, and you hope at the very end you get it back, right? That's why these assets are so attractive. That's why historically Wall Street loves to invest in these bigger commercial assets. So what goes in influencing cash flow? So you've seen how the waterfall breaks down. You always want to make sure you're in a preferred position. In other words, HBG Capital is a sponsor. We don't make any money if our preferred investors are not making money. They're actually ahead of us in the waterfall. As the rents trickle down, Preferred investors get paid off first. GPs are the ones who get, uh, who get left, right? So we, in order for us to make money, like our preferred investors have to make money first. And we're very proud of that. So how, how does the, the net operating income work? So you have gross rents at the top. And here are some common expenses that you'll find in an apartment complex, um, deal. So gross rents will trickle down. You'll have a vacancy. So normally, you know, your vacancy percentages are going to vary depending on the asset, but you hope that they're above 90%, right? You're never going to get it at 100% all the time, but you want to hope that they're well above 90, hopefully above 95% and well in, in, in up, up towards the high 90s. So your vacancy is going to determine how much of that gross rent you're able to keep. Any vacancies, it's going to go down. Uh, the next is going to be loss to lease. You're going to have some other concessions. These are where you might give a free month away just to get somebody in there or, um, you know, forfeit a, de- a deposit, anything to kind of get uh, people in the seats into the units of the apartment complex. Um, then you're going to have your regular operating expenses. These are salaries you'd pay, uh, overhead, anything that you have to pay to keep the business running or keep the asset running or managing it. Now, once that's all done, that's going to give you your net rental income. So this is like how much money the asset is producing. So an important factor to know as a preferred investor is what would the vacancy have to drop down to in order for distributions to start getting cut off? And this is where people ask me, Brennan, what are the risks in investing in these larger commercial assets, these multifamily units? And the risk is some type of event that could cause like a mass vacancy. Um, and they ask, well, what, what could that be potentially? And I throw out ideas, but there's always surprises, right? Like nobody saw this virus coming out of nowhere. And luckily, you know, these assets still continue to perform even though there was a virus, but that would be an example of something that as an unforeseen risk, right? Nobody saw that coming. Um, weather events, you know, if a tornado comes and, and hits the whole apartment complex, um, that's going to be an issue, right? Like you're not going to have rents coming in. Uh, luckily, loss of rents is covered in the insurance policy. And so those will be reimbursed back to the, uh, back to the company and investors will eventually get paid back. But because there's no rents coming in, depending on how long it takes to get those loss of rents recovered from the insurance company, that could be a time period where you might not see some distributions. Now you would catch up and get those in the future, but that would be an example of an event that could happen that could cause some disruption in the regular pay schedule that you're supposed to see in this asset. 
So net rental income is what you're looking at. Net rental income comes in. Preferred investors are then paid. And after they're paid their distributions, then boom, at the very end, GPs like myself would get paid on the back end. And the cool, the great thing about it is you're always looking for appreciation as well. So part of our uh, agreements and how we structure these deals is there's an appreciation aspect that is built into these deals. So appreciation of a large asset is solely dependent on uh, how much NOI or net operating income you can generate. So we're always looking for assets that we can go in, renovate, increase the rents, increase the appreciation over a three to five year period and give ourselves and our investors some great appreciation gains. Um, that's pretty much it. Wanted to keep this short, short and simple today. As always, thanks for tuning in and we'll have some more videos out there uh, centered around this subject coming soon. Have a great weekend.